This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about Japanese convenience stores, a.k.a. Kombini. And we can't figure out, I mean, maybe we can using the internet, but we may have done this episode before. Yeah, we're not sure. I know we've talked about this. I think I think maybe we talked about it a, quite a bit on the 7-Eleven Hot Foods episode. That sounds right. But but also like on an episode that we recorded in Japan, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, but you know what? Like like we said, we've done, we've done 578 episodes of this show as of today. Like it's probably going to be mostly reruns from here on out. No, it's not. Okay. But what I do want to say is that, so because Kombini, as we'll talk more about what they are, because Kombini are so ubiquitous in Japan, it seems right that like the like mentions of Kombini should be ubiquitous throughout our show. And as we'll find, like... I mean, any, our show over the years. Over the years, yes. Any any individual Kombini location has an amazing depth of products to choose from. So, just like, like our show. Just like our show. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we we now offer a lot of products at the at the Spilled Milk store, <laughs> um, ye, ye old spilledmilkshoppy.org. We, we offer spilled 1% milk, spilled whole milk, uh-huh. spilled... Uh, seasonally spilled eggnog, but sorry, guys, we're all out of that for the year. <laughs> yeah, no, no. If you want the spilled eggnog, uh, like I feel like you know, you know, we've talked many times about how like spilling milk in a car like is the is the most effective way to ruin a car forever. I feel like <laughs> yeah. eggnog would be even worse. I think Don't so you? too. I think so too. Yeah. Anyway, no. In this episode, we are talking about Japanese con. I almost said convenience stores. <laughs> Japanese. Yeah, well, we'll get con- there. Japanese convenience stores, also known as Kombini, mm-hmm. which, uh, well, I think Matthew should start us off on memory lane because your memory lane is what led to my memory lane, really. That's true. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to mention, like, the reason they're called Kombini is that it's short for um, the, the Japanese uh, phrase, convenience store. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's just like the first three syllables of that. Okay. Um, All right. So my memory lane goes back to 2010, which is the first time I went to Japan. Anytime you go to Japan, you will visit convenience stores pretty regularly. But Mm -hmm. like there was one instance from that trip, which I took with December when they were six, 
Uh, so not even teenager of the show yet. And and they're going to need a new name soon because they're going to be 20 next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll we'll figure that out. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So on that trip, I, I think dragged... maybe a, wait, hold on. Adult yeah, yeah. child of the show. A dots. Oh, wait. A cots. Oh, a cots. Sorry. A dots. <laughs> that's, my, for... that's my proposal. Run it by A-cots December. A is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. It, okay. Sounds, it sounds like uh, short for like how the cool kids say apricots. <laughs> you know, gonna, June. Oh, my God. Pounds me cots. Hold on, Matthew, you're going to appreciate this. Yes, okay. The other day, I'm sitting in the living room with June, and she is watching the bird feeders that we have hanging outside the living room, and a Stellar's Jay, which as you okay. know, yep. is, is, your, is- Your all-time favorite bird. My my least favorite bird. Well, they're so cool looking, but they're such <laughs> jerks. Anyway, the Stellar's Jay comes along. June doesn't even really know how I feel, like how deep my antagonism for or against- Whatever, whatever. June goes, oh, that bird looks so cool. God, mm-hmm. so cool. But that, that is a really sus bird. <laughs> and I was like, did you just say sus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because June was watching this bird. Like, basically, I, the bird feeder that is intended for like little wee beautiful songbirds. And even June could see that this was a bird not to be trifled with. A big bad bird. And, and like June Bird. used Illegal. teenage slang. Yeah. And Ash and I just freaked out. We were like, oh, my God. Did you just say sus? But, like, don't don't the teenagers call birds, like, burbs or borbs or something? <laughs> That's a really sus borb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. We're All a couple right. of the, sus borbs around here. All right. That was our, our, our bird segment. <laughs> okay. Okay. What what's our bird segment called? It's called Sus Borbs, right? Sus okay, Borbs. Abby, Abby, can you please uh, make come up with a, a theme song for Sus Borbs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. on this trip to Japan in 2010, it was just me in December, age six. I dragged them to like this small town called Uji near Kyoto because there was like an old tea shop that I wanted to go oh. to. I can't believe you dragged your six-year-old. Yeah, it was the, it to was do the this. worst. Like, like, and so we, like, we went to this tea shop, which was very nice. And of course, December had no interest in it whatsoever because why should they? Then got lost trying to get back to the train station, and like, it was late for lunch, and we were hungry and lost, and like, at this place that December didn't want to be. And then we finally found the train station, and like, to the right of the train station was this little family mart convenience store, and we got a tonkatsu bento and sat on a bench just outside the family mart and ate it. And I'm going to see if this works. I'm, uh, I'm about to, to put in the chat uh, a link to Google Maps that I'm hoping will take you. Will, you can see exactly where we sat. Okay, here I go. I'm going to, oh, okay. And if, it, if this works for you, I will put it in the show <gasps> notes also. Oh Do my you gosh. see it? Okay, which bench? Did the okay, one on the left? The, the one the on the left, one? just just under the vertical sign that says Tokyo Bank. Oh, this is wonderful. Yes, uh, as soon as I looked, I, I, I like, okay, they've uh, renovated the facade of this family <laughs> mart since then, but the bench is exactly the same, and that is where we sat, to the right of the entrance to J.R. Uji Station. And, and like we just felt like okay, like you know, we were we were things were really dicey there for a minute, but like we're eating this this delicious tonkatsu bento from the family mart that they warmed up for us, and everything's going to be okay now. I just love that you said under the the sign that says Tokyo Bank because all of these signs are in kanji except family mart. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, can, you can trust me. 
Thank you. Okay. So Matthew, you know, for listeners who don't know, when we talk about these convenience stores, we're talking about mostly kind of a handful of chains. So there's, of course, 7-Eleven. We'll get up to that more in a minute. There's Family Mart. Yep. There's Lawson, which Mm -hmm. for a while I called Lawson's, but it's Lawson. Yeah. No apostrophe. No one ever says it, but it's often on the side. It says Lawson Station. Oh, Um, I'm going to go into the history of all of these chains. Those are the three big ones, 7-Eleven, Family Mart, and Lawson. There are a couple of smaller ones and some regional ones that we'll talk a little bit about also when when we get into the history. And these are, I mean, what could we liken them to in the U.S.? They are truly everywhere. Yeah. You're never far from one. Yeah, it's really, there there isn't anything like them in the U.S. Like maybe, maybe like bodegas in New York. Oh, I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. 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 Okay. But even even more ubiquitous, like, you know, often on a single block, there will be like one of each of the major chains. Yeah. Okay. So, Matthew, does your memory lane end there in 2010? It, it does not. Now, are you, are you going to have some memory lane? We can switch off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, my memory lane dates back to 2017, which is when you and I first went to Tokyo together. Yeah. My first trip to Tokyo, your many-time yeah. trip to Tokyo. We were staying in Nakano, and I think the first convenience store we went to was the Lawson that was sort of maybe half a block down from our apartment. Yes. And I remember going there first thing in the morning to get coffee from their, like, uh, so Machi Cafe is the brand of coffee they sell. Yep. And it it's not great, <laughs> but... It really got the job done. Yeah. Uh, I would get, so you would order it from the counter. It came out of like a machine, but the man working behind the counter would operate it for me. And you taught me how to order the size that I wanted and I could go by myself. Yeah. And get my own coffee. And then sometimes in the afternoon, we would also go and get a mocha. Yeah. I love the the Lawson Machi Cafe mocha, I think is the best mocha I've ever had, just because it's uh, not very sweet. Yeah, no, it's really good. So anyway, my first introduction was through like a, you know, daily morning visit for coffee. And then from there, I started to look around and notice like, you know, I got to be honest. I know we talked about this on the 7-Eleven like hot foods episode, Mm but I I don't go into a convenience store or even a bodega in the U.S. looking for like ready to eat food. Sure. I would go in looking for like a bag of Cheetos or a bottle of water on a road trip or some peanut M&Ms, right? At a Combini, there is just a different vibe to the section of all these like prepared, ready to eat foods. I mean, for one thing, there is like an entire part of the refrigerated case devoted to different types of onigiri. Yeah, we'll talk a lot about that with our guests. Um, We're going to have a guest today, by the way. Yes, yes. There are also like really good looking sandwiches. Anyway, I could go on and on and on, but there's also often a really great uh, like little mini stationary section in a combini where you yes. can get your like inexpensive I didn't put that on the list. Yeah, yeah you, where you can get your like inexpensive Japanese notebooks made by Campus, Campus mm-hmm. brand, and the paper is so soft and smooth. Yeah. There in some Lawson's or was it Family Mart, there used to be a little Muji section. Yes. Uh, I, I don't remember you, which store it is either, but yes. 
Okay. Oh, and then I do also remember going to that Lawson to get various types of gummies. Yeah, I do. Because about gummies, I'm so glad. Yeah, because they have a really, there's usually a, at least an extensive like end cap of, of gummies. And that actually, it was the trip when you coined the jingle for Chibi Gummies. Can Would you, you like coin to a jingle? Mm, you, you jingle okay. a jingle. Chibi, chibi, chibi. Gummy, gummy, gummy gummies. gummies. That's it. It's so catchy. My family sings it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I, not the rest of my family, though. Uh, anyway, I have one other thing I want to yeah. add to my memory lane, which is that the trip, uh, the second trip that we took together to Tokyo, the one on which we brought our families, when I arrived at, uh, at the airport with my mom and June and Ash, of course, we were all, you know, total disasters having traveled many hours, many, many hours. But when we were going to get on the train to go to Nakano, I remember feeling such a sense of peace, knowing that there was a family mart right near the entrance to the train station. Yeah. And that we could get onigiri. Yes. And we went and we got onigiri. Oh. Yeah, I got June and my mom and Ash and myself all onigiris. I think Ash may have also gotten a sandwich. And we sat on the train, and I just remember how delighted June was by this onigiri. Oh, like I'm everyone so glad. was just like sighing, and it was wonderful. Thank yeah. you, Family Mart. That's okay. So that that like fits with the rest of my memory lane too, because like the things I remember, like like times when like the kombini was there for me when I really needed it. Yes. Um, so like in 2020, like at the end of that trip, like at the beginning of 2020, we were not traveling to Japan, like in the middle of 2020. So the beginning of 2020, we had spent New Year's in Japan and we were uh, like getting ready to head home and I got the flu. And I uh, remember. Yeah. And so there, so I was not allowed to fly with the flu because I'm not a maniac. So they, they like checked us into this airport hotel, like in, in, you know, like near Narita airport with like nothing around, except there was a Lawson in the lobby of the hotel. And so like I lived on food from Lawson for like three days until I was, you know, my fever broke and I was cleared to fly. And, you know, it was fine. Like if yeah. the Lawson hadn't been there and, and had to like rely on like room service or something, it would have been a like I would remember it as a much more miserable experience. Yeah, no. Or if you had been in the States and had yes. to, had to rely upon like a 7-Eleven. Yeah, because we did that 7-Eleven hot foods episode. And, and like our conclusion was like 7-Eleven hot foods in the U.S. are pretty bad. Yeah, no, no. I I can absolutely imagine living cheerfully on Lawson for yeah. seventy two hours or so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in uh, twenty eighteen, um, like I went with my my family to do a bike ride in mm -hmm. Japan, the uh, Shimanami Kaido, which is a um, it's a long bike trail. We only did like a fraction of it that leaves from uh, from Onomichi in Honshu and crosses over uh, into uh, Shikoku and like goes across six islands with these like you know big suspension bridges. And uh, like, you know, we're we are not experienced cyclists. So we did like 10 miles maybe and we were done. Uh -huh. um, but like at the end of that, like at the point we were like, you know, feeling like, oh, my God, we're so exhausted. There was there was a Lawson just like in this tiny town on some island in uh, Inland Sea. And like, you know, we were so happy to see this Lawson. And like right outside the Lawson, there was like a farm stand selling locally grown mandarin oranges. So we got some of those and like ate those and like some like stuff from Lawson onigiri and like some fried chicken and stuff in the parking lot. So great. Oh, God. Matthew, yeah. 
Yeah. When this episode airs, you're going to be heading to Japan. That's Jip- true. Oh, we're we're going I in, even, Feb- in I can't even say the word. I'm so choked up. Oh, anyway. Oh, and you're going to be embarking on an adventure of your own. I am. I am. Uh, when this episode airs, we will have a, a new baby. Matthew, when you come home, would you just come over and I don't know, just could I show just you, get all you my, to- all my holiday snaps? Could I get, yeah, show me all your holiday snaps. Could I get you to maybe just like set up, I don't know, maybe next door I could I could put you up in my mom's and you could just come over and make me onigiri whenever I want it because I want them fresh. Okay, yeah. I mean, unless you're going to wrap them up the way they do in an onigiri I don't think that's humanly package. possible. I think okay. I think you have to have a factory. And we'll, we'll talk anyway, about what that means. But I, I think that the way you could make it up to me that you are going to Japan and I'm getting a baby is, I mean, and and- don't get me wrong, everybody. This baby's going to be wonderful, but it's not a Lawson or a Family Mart. <laughs> no, it's it's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. It, it is going to to take and take and take rather than yeah. give and give and give. And so I would just like you to come over and uh, be my on-demand onigiri maker, maybe for 24 hours or so. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. do it. Okay, great. You're Perfect. on. Perfect. I'm glad that we arranged that. Okay, Abby, Abby, edit that part out so, so that <laughs> Molly can't prove that I ever agreed to that. <laughs> okay. So Matthew, what? How did the comp? Whoa, whoa, whoa! So Matthew, how did? Whoa, the- Mo- Molly needs needs to be power cycled. Have you have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? Uh, Matthew, how did the combini come to be what it is? Because I think that when a lot of people think, at least when a lot of Americans or Westerners maybe think about. Japanese food, we don't picture the greatness of a convenience store, you know? Right. Okay. <laughs> or, so or like a great convenience store. I, I knew very little of this history. Like it's, we'll see whether it's actually interesting. It's like, it's sort of corporate history in the sense of like some stores open and then some other stores open. But okay. uh, <laughs> uh, there, there isn't anything where like someone like, you know, like stopped their ice cream truck at a parking lot and was like swarmed with customers looking for melted ice cream, like well, on the soft serve episode. That's, as everyone knows, that's the American dream that so is that, the that's american an american dream, to have, story. Your, have your truck break down and, and get swarmed <laughs> get swarmed have, have um, your truck break down get swarmed and make a lot of money okay well molly let me answer your question about, about uh about the uh history of the company by asking you a question do yes. you read diamond chain store magazine a japanese language industry magazine you know i let my subscription lapse i thought you might have i, yeah. I know like like when you get it like it piles up by the side of the bed you're like I'm, I'm gonna catch up on diamond chain store i just you never don't do. have time to read like articles of that length I okay just don't. so I so I found uh, an article in Diamond Chain Store um, that uh, says that quote uh, Japan's first convenience store is said to be Mami Toyonaka Store, which opened in Osaka Prefecture in 1969 as the first store of the My Shop chain. But that oh, was wow. like sort of like early rumblings of like what Kombini would become. Okay, um, because there weren't that many of them, and I think probably like they would would not have like all of the departments that you expect today. You know, I really feel like, especially from the name of this, Mommy Toyonaka store, the first store of the My Shop chain, it really does have a bodega vibe to yeah, me. Like, totally. It feels like this could be, you know, uh, the shop on the corner kind yep. of thing. Like, go pick up your toilet paper when you run out. Yeah. So, Kombini, as we know them today, really date to the 70s. And we're born, like, kind of around the same time I was. 
<laughs> which uh, which did surprise me. Um, so like you know there were small stores like like the My Shop chain and like other like you know individual stores selling assorted snacks and supplies well before that. But the first like real modern chain kombini was Seven Eleven. Probably we'll get to that, which launched in Tokyo in 1974, except that Family Mart claims to have opened its first store in 1973, but other sources say 1975. I could not pin this down. And maybe someone in our audience knows. I don't know how we can possibly go on with this episode without having this date correct. Yes. Uh, The story of Lawson is probably the most interesting because it was originally a dairy shop in the U.S. that uh, was founded in like the 30s and uh, was founded by – actually, this is sort of like the the soft serve story because it was founded by like a guy who ran a company delivering milk and and was like, hmm, maybe I could make more money if I made customers come to me to get the milk. And so uh, opened a milk store called Lawson Station in the 30s. Okay, wait, but so this was – in the U.S. and so in then the it, oh, it it like exported it it became like an international chain and went to right to so Japan. it became it first it was just a dairy shop it became like okay. a you know full service convenience store chain in in the Midwest okay. and then opened its first store in Osaka in 1975 the year I was born and since then went out of business in the U.S. There's no more Lawson in the U.S. and hasn't been for decades but are all over Japan now and Mr. Donut had the same like, you know, corporate trajectory. Really? Yeah. I'm sure I knew that back when we did an episode in which we talked more I'm about sure. Mr. Donut, but And the Lawson, the Lawson logo, still, it still says Lawson Station and has like an old-fashioned milk jug in the logo. It's a really mm-hmm. nice-looking logo. Definitely, definitely the best logo of the big three combini, I think. And so, okay, so, so basically this idea of the combini, it was selling assorted snacks and supplies. Yeah, but... When they first started, they did not have onigiri. The first kombini onigiri were marketed in 1978, and it the it was like the the breakthrough was the packaging, and so like they could like have it have them on the shelf and know that the the nori the seaweed wrapping was not going to get soggy. And uh, do you do you want to talk about like how this works? The the packaging that keeps the nori separate from the moisture of the rice in an onigiri is truly brilliant. How how can we possibly like try to describe this to a listener? So like the the key thing is that the the seaweed is like kept between two very thin pieces of cellophane or some kind of plastic film. Yes. And yes. ideally when you open it up it all comes together such a, such that the the nori wraps around the rice, the the plastic completely pulls away, and you take a bite immediately, and you get the crisp seaweed and uh, and the tender rice all in one bite. And you know, there's a, a very handy illustration on the wrapper oh, too, yeah. like a three step process for how to achieve this uh, like packaging and eating perfection. And it does work a lot of the time. I mean, I imagine if you grow up in Japan, you might be able to get it to work like 99 percent of the time. Yeah, I think that I think the issue that that many people run into, like if they encounter this for the first time, like as an adult, is not noticing that that the first that step one is like pull the thing down the middle of the triangle. Yes, and and try and you try just kind of like 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 rip it open in in some sort of gorilla-ish way. Yes. Which does like it works. Eventually you get to to the food, you just end up like getting showered with like tiny little uh <laughs> green seaweed confetti. Well, one thing that I've always one thing I've always wondered about is like so if you've ever made so listeners, if you've ever made onigiri at home, you know that 
Like you really need to eat them fresh, right? Like the rice just starts to feel stale very quickly. So how is it? I mean, even with this brilliant packaging, how is it that these onigiri are so fresh? So I think it is that they get delivered many times a day. Many times a day. Yeah. So, so like, you know, when I, when I think about like, you know, I used to, I used to, before everybody started talking about, about like supply chain issues, like (laughs) I, I would use, I used to like bore people, like probably including you and now all of our listeners by talking about how like, like one of the, one of the amazing things about Japan is it's uh, supply chain logistics. I, yeah. I blocked out whatever you told know, me about every, this. Yeah, so, no, d- ever, everyone yeah. just just like climaxed. Um, just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, meaning that, like you know, they they have a very sophisticated system for getting products into stores and like preserving the cold chain along the way. And uh, like, so if you go into into a Seven Eleven and pick up an onigiri off the shelf, like it was probably delivered within the last couple of hours. Like you know, some some. Early urban stores get deliveries of food five times a day. That is incredible. Yeah. And so that goes for, I guess, all the like fresh, ready to eat foods, yeah. right? So the sandwiches, would that also go for the hot foods? Like the, the Nikuman? I think so. That's a good question. I know okay. like we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about the downsides of uh kombini, of which there are some. And one of them is, is food waste because like they are not allowed to mark down like, you know, products they're about oh. to expire. And so, like, a lot of stuff gets thrown out. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's that's the other side of the of the freshness. Um, so nowadays, over, like, the, the most recent figures I could find were from 2007 for some reason. But in 2007, over 2.5 billion kombini onigiri were sold. It is the most popular kombini item. Okay. And, that's incredible. Uh, there are over 50,000 kombini in Japan now. So, like, to give you an idea, like, it's really hard to overstate how ubiquitous they are. But, like, it is common, like, if you're in a city in Japan to, like, be standing in front of a 7-Eleven and be able to see another 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. Like, not just, mm-hmm. like, a competitor, which, of course, like, you'll see a Lawson in a family mart, but also another 7-Eleven, like, a block away. That is just fascinating to me. I mean, I, I remember standing on, what is the street that uh, Alba Ramen is on in oh, Nakano. I think whatever like, that street is. Yeah, it's is. sometimes just called Nakano Ramen Street. Okay. Well, there's there's a family mart. Like if you're walking toward Alba Ramen and Life Supermarket is behind you, there's a family mart on the right. Every there's listener a Lawson has been there. They on know the what you left. Mean. Yep. And then at the end of the, all the way at the end of the street, there's going to be like another Larson. I mean Lawson. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Brie Larson is going to be standing there handing that's, out onigiri. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, and then who else? There must be other Larsons around. I was around. just trying to think. Like, uh, <laughs> all I could come up with is Nate Larson of the band Shudder to Think. So those are definitely the two most the, famous yeah. Larsons. Those are who are going to be waiting for you on Nakano Ramen Street. Yeah. Do you know we're going to have a special a special musical guest, like who's an a, a accomplished musician late, later yeah. on in this episode? It's not <laughs> Nate Larson. No, it's not. Hold on. Should we bring on our guest, actually? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen, 
Uh, they've got – you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in Alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We are delighted to welcome Dre from Steady Holiday as our guest on Spilled Milk today. Uh, Dre is a musician uh, whose new album, Newfound Oxygen, comes out next year. Dre Bavinsky, welcome to Spilled Milk. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we wanted to start out by asking you about your recent trip to India, right? You you just got back. What did you eat? Oh, my gosh. Well, I was there visiting my husband's family. And oh, yeah, wow. his aunt made about... 70% of the food I ate there and it, oh my god oh my gosh it was it was such such a treat they live in Bangalore which is in the south and one of one of the really common things in the southern diet is dosa are you familiar with that yeah. yes mm-hmm. oh, yeah very so much good. so yeah so we ate a lot of dosa for for anyone who doesn't know dosa is it's like a savory it's almost like a crepe it's a very very thinly yeah splashed like crispy batter it's often eaten alone but there's also like fillings put in it like a masala dosa is just like kind of like a spiced potato filling inside of this big thin light crepe so good holy shit yeah um and we also ate a lot of aki roti which is like a i think it's a rice flour based again like a fried crispy bread eaten with Mm -hmm. with different kinds of chutneys and sauces. So incredibly delicious. Yeah, a couple of weeks of home-cooked Indian food sounds okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. It was such a treat. That paired with like a little paranoia about what I can eat and not eat. Here, sure. Just based on my own gut health, Western gut health. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was very happy to to eat in a place where like I just I knew I knew the source. Awesome. So the reason we want to have you on this Japanese convenience store episode is that um, we saw a video that you did a couple of years ago with Yamaha, where uh, where you went to Japan, you did some some like recording, visited the Yamaha Guitars Factory, and then also there was a part of the video where you were try- kind of trying to outsmart the uh, Kombini Onigiri packaging, which Molly and I have both had that experience too. And uh, so I wanted to ask, like, what's your connection to Japan, and like, how often have you visited? You know, I've only been to Japan twice now okay both times relatively recently i am half japanese by design <laughs> but, sure. um, i i'm very american as is uh, all of my japanese family so yeah i've done a little a, a little psychoanalyzing but i think that both my grandma and my grandpa my japanese side they 
existed in like a, a wartime and post-war America and didn't really share a lot of Japanese culture with my mom. Sure. And, and I think that that just kind of like continued to filter down to me where I took a lot of pride in, in being American and kind of like subverting any like stereotype that people might have when they look at me. I, I took a lot of pride in that in for a long time. And the older I get and the more interested I am in my own history and my family and culture in general, I've like much later in life, I've like come into just having a much deeper like curiosity about the place that I come from and just the, the bigger world at large. So my interest in Japan has only like kind of grown in time and somewhat recently. So it's, it's been a new thing that, that I've like started to like want to explore there and also just like kind of learn about it cold, like for the first time. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of convenience store onigiri, do you have a, a favorite of the, the big three Japanese convenience store chains like Lawson and Family Mart and 7-Eleven? Honestly, I think they're all the same. I don't, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't claim to have any like any strong opinion about them. No, they're all great. Honestly, yeah, I don't either. Like my, my opinions are based on like, you know, kind of which which one was there for me, like at a time when I really needed it. And like, which one has the nicest logo, which is probably Lawson for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Lawson does have the best logo. I agree. <laughs> when you so when you walk into a convenie, like which which sections do you gravitate toward? Onigiri is is always first. That's partly because I am a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. have a hard time eating in Japan, unfortunately. Sure. And that's I often go into a konbini for a meal <laughs> as yeah. opposed to just like a snack so onigiri is usually like a meal supplement and not just a snack I learned after the fact that my favorite onigiri which is the soft boiled egg one mm-hmm. is totally made with oh. pork broth like duh Oh, (laughs) yeah. Wait, so do they hold on? Do how's the pork broth incorporated into the soft boiled egg onigiri? It's a it's like a marinated egg, like it's a tonkatsu Mm -hmm. egg, like that usually comes in in ramen. You know, it's it's seasoned with shoyu and and likely some like fish stock and pork broth. Yeah. Okay. So so what flavor do you think you'll defer to if you don't get the soft oh, boiled egg yeah, one? Oh, there's so many other good ones. Like the umeboshi is also one of my favorites. Yeah. The pickled mm-hmm. plum. There's mm-hmm. also I don't know what the name of it is, but it's like just the seasoned kelp one. What else? There's like a a red bean and sesame one that it's there's nothing inside and in fact i don't think it has any nori on the outside it's just it's just like a the circular ball form yeah it's yeah the red beans season like finished with sesame it's really simple but just excellent mm. yeah because it seems like there's there's like a few if you can like try and categorize and there's like the round ones that don't that don't have nori and might might have like seasonings mixed throughout yes. there's like the classic triangular ones with the with the nori that's separated by film and then and then there's like fancy ones on the top shelf that might come in like a little bag totally totally i really want to try the um the omurice one have you had that no that sounds great yeah so it has like uh like you know like a mcdonald's like egg like patty on top um yeah. i don't think that one's wrapped in nori i think it's it's one of the circular ones but i think that that one might have like chicken in the right like it might be like a fried rice situation, which 
very likely has some kind of like meat in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know they like more and more they're putting English like on the front of the package, but I don't know about like ingredients in English. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. I like I yep. do the best I can when I try places yeah. like that. You know. All right. So uh, what are what are some of your favorite non onigiri items at the uh, at a combini? Oh, man. It's so basic, but the egg salad sandwich. Oh, I'm so glad yes. you mentioned that because because yes. like egg salad is is like one of my things that I just cannot like get my head around like as as a food. But I know that that is such a beloved item for so many people. My spouse has eaten so many of those. It, it, there's something so pure and simple about it. It's like three ingredients ish, mm-hmm. and it's it's perfect. It's mm-hmm. the omegity of sandwiches, really. You know? <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. A few key ingredients, perfectly proportional. Ugh, it's perfect. It's like it's like omurice, but with the egg on the inside. <laughs> yes. And, and the rice is yes. bread. And the rice is bread. There we go. <laughs> well, will you tell us about your new album? Yes. It's called Newfound Oxygen. And Newfound Oxygen is kind of like my shorthand for all of the life lessons and things that I've learned and picked up along the way, just being alive and getting older and entering like a new phase of life where I'm, I'm not so hand to mouth. There's, there's just a lot of growing pains and, and reality checks. And I, I, I realize that that's, that's kind of a running theme in all of my writing, mm. reflecting on what I've done and what I can do better. And this is kind of a continuation of that. Oh, I love that. So I first uh, heard about you when you did uh, the um, the Tiny Desk Home yeah. Concert, which was kind of kind of in like the doldrums of the pandemic. And you had your band like outside the window, yeah. like <laughs> socially distanced. And I just thought it was like it was like so adorable and uh, and loved the song so much. And it's been uh, such a treat to follow your career since then. And uh, we're really excited for the new album. Oh, Yes, thank you. Anything, anything about uh, about Japan or about uh, Kombini that that we didn't ask you that uh, that you would love to talk about? Oh my gosh! Also, the azuki bean mochi, daifuku. Is it daifuku? Yeah. Yeah. That that's another thing that is just always like suspiciously fresh out of. Yes. Like I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> they get deliveries like four or five times a day. Yes. Oh. Like not necessarily of the of the daifuku, but maybe like you know. But like, they have like food coming in many times a day, and that's why everything seems so weirdly fresh. Wow. Amazing. Where where can people find you online if they want to follow you or learn more? I think Instagram probably makes the most sense. It's the it's the okay. one social media that I've doubled down on. <laughs> yeah. Just at Steady Holiday. Okay. And we'll link to that in the show notes too. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this was a pleasure. Thank you. And we wish you many onigiri in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We really, really enjoyed this. So Matthew, there's so many things that make Kombini great, and we only covered a few of them with Dre. We yeah. talked, of course, about onigiri, I different flavors. I didn't make her listen to me talk about supply chain logistics. I can't believe that was my either. one shot. Uh, she, she. I'm so glad she mentioned the egg salad sandwich. I am too. Friend of the show, Becky Selinget. That's one of her favorites, also. 
Okay. Okay. So we've talked about Machi Cafe. What else do we love? Okay. Let's talk more about the hot foods. Like every every kombini has its own brand of fried chicken. So there's like seven chicken from 7-Eleven. There's Famichiki from, from Family Mart, which is often, <laughs> usually Family Mart is, is abbreviated to Famima. And uh, okay. there's uh, then there's Karage-kun at, uh, at Lawson, which is like a little cartoon chicken, and it's like a little box of chicken nuggets. Gosh, I um, this. So the, I, I, I like the Fami Chiki best. Like, like in a, have I done like a taste test? No, it's mostly probably because of the name, but it's like, it's just like a piece, it's like a boneless fried chicken patty that you like eat out of a little paper pouch. It's so I think good. That June, I think June got that as a snack one afternoon. June was more into the hot case than I was. Yeah, I love the hot case. And then in fall, I, I especially think about the hot case in fall and winter because that's when they have the nikuman, which are um, yep. like Chinese style pork buns. But there's also like like a curry one and a pizza one. They're so good. And then mm-hmm. the Oden section, which I don't even think I can like accurately describe it is like such a Japanese thing. Is that where there's like a chafing dish, Mm -hmm. um, like a steam tray type thing that has like a dark brown liquid in Mm -hmm. it? And there are things in there. Right. There are like little, it's like divided um, into like little square compartments. And so Oden is a dish of like fish cakes and other things like stewed in, in like a dashi based broth. And the thing I love about this is that it is like the last thing that I ever would have thought of to sell at the counter at a convenience store. It's like a thing that like an old man, like, you know, in a a, like tiny restaurant in an alley would specialize in, but also every convenience store. And it's not like they have like, you know, 10 items to choose from. They have like 30 items to choose from. So, like, you know, I, it's it's wild. It had not occurred to me that there was a seasonal quality to what you can buy in a kombini because yeah. I've only been I've only been to Japan in uh, in October and, and December, yeah. or January. Is there like a summer equivalent? I mean, can you buy like so, your icy cold cucumber or something? That's a good question. So like definitely there are more like cold noodle dishes. Like in the cold case in summer, like mm-hmm. I, I recently read like an amazing wrap up in probably sort of news of like all the cold noodle dishes we got at 7-Eleven and it was like 11 things and they all sounded good. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, like a spicy Chinese style one and like a hiyashi chuka, like a, you know, a dipping ramen and all. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so like I, I haven't even gotten the Oden that many times, but like, uh, you know, it makes a really good snack if it's a cold day and you, and you want to like warm up with like a little like soft fish cake or like a a little bundle of noodles that's like tied in a knot. That's one of my favorite items. It, it's a little a little morsel of beef tendon that's super, super tender. One thing that I remember noticing about buying gummies in company yes. uh, is that, you know, you would find something you really liked, like puree, like the, the muscat grape yeah. one or something. And you'd be like, this is delicious. Let's go buy three more packages to take home. And you'll never find them again. It's like they're committed to variety, uh, even like uh, within gummies. And so you can find all these different ones, but you better buy as much as you want at a given time because you'll never find them again. Yeah, this is especially true of the candy and snack section. I think that if you see something like grab it because you won't necessarily be able to find it like even at another another of the same chain's locations or like even necessarily the next day at that store. Remember, we once found like a like a Pierre Hermé, like like, uh, 
Ispahan gummy. Yes, I remember. And we were like, this is brilliant. And then we never found it again. Wife of the show, Lori, uh, had, uh, like, likes to tell the story of how one time at a Combini she found um, like Ritz cracker sandwiches and like Ritz brand, uh, like black truffle cream cheese Ritz cracker sandwiches. And they were really good. And she never saw them again. <laughs> You know, so while we're talking about like very random things at, at Combini, I remember um, going to get onigiri and I distinctly remember standing off to the side of the door after getting my onigiri and paying and unwrapping my onigiri there. There's always a trash can yes. right beside the door. And it's not even it's not like a big old like American trash can. It's like a small little mm-hmm. rectangular thing. Yet. You know, all the trash somehow makes it into the trash can. Yeah. And anyway, you you can throw away your little wrapper there. And it just, I don't know, everything is where you need it to be. Well, I think we should say, like, like, like public trash cans are very hard to come by in Japan. That's and right. so, and, like, uh, you know, you you will see you people, like, like you carry around. your trash, but, like, then you'll see, like, someone, like, passing by a kombini and being like, I know this trash can is supposed to be for, like, stuff that I bought at the kombini, but I'm just going to, like, sneak this over into this trash can and, and we'll keep walking. It's a nice public service. I also remember, so when you and I were first there, uh, it was October. And we went to the Combini and bought like the basic Combini umbrella. Yes. The clear plastic I can't plastic believe one. I didn't put that on the list. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's like it works out to be like $2 or something. Yeah, like $4, I think. And it, it's like a big old umbrella yeah. with like a hook handle. Mm-hmm. And everybody has yep. the same umbrella. And when you arrive in a store, I, I for some reason, I'm, I keep thinking of when I arrive in a combini, yeah. like near the trash can, there's always a conveniently located umbrella stand where everybody puts their umbrellas and everybody has the same umbrella, yet somehow you wind up leaving with your umbrella. I mean, you do. <laughs> Oh, okay. Do you steal other people's umbrellas? I mean, do you ever look for like the purpose, highest quality but, but, basic umbrella? No, I don't. I don't deliberately steal umbrellas, but I'm sure there have been times when I when I walked off with someone else's umbrella. They are all the same. <laughs> they are all the same. So. But what I love about it is that like there's just no question you're going to fold up your umbrella yeah. and you're going to leave it there. And then you're going to take it on the way out. Whereas I feel like at a lot of stores in the States, maybe especially in Seattle, where we're used to a lot of rain, there is not an umbrella stand because we're all just expected to wear hoods. That's true. Also, even if there is some accommodation for umbrellas, it's usually some weird ass little plastic bag, like like umbrella condom that you're supposed yep. to slide your umbrella into. And they, they and have those you in get Japan, wet, too. They don't work very well anywhere. They don't work yeah. well. They don't work well. Okay, so there's there's great bentos. I think I think we talked about that. The the like individual ice cream bar, ice cream confection section, love that. Okay, uh, like any time of year, like they'll that. have like I, my favorite is the Black Thunder ice cream bar, which is like the Black Thunder candy bar only ice cream. But like there are so many great ice cream things. There's that there's that one that you kind of squeeze into your mouth. Do you know what I mean? The kids love this. Oh, it's like a, a push pop. It, but it's a, like a little a... bag of ice cream that you kind of squish. And like suck on and like slobber all over. Okay. I don't remember the name of that. So Matthew, is there anything that's not great about Combini? I mean, you know, this has been such a wholly positive episode. We should, uh, we should try to find something negative to say. Okay. I mean, I think kind of what's not great about Combini is sort of, is sort of like saying like, what, are there any things that are not great about capitalism? Cause like, Mm. you know, 
Combini is like like the product of late capitalism. And uh, so along with that, you know, in most Combini are like a franchise model where um, like the owner of the store is like taking a lot of uncompensated risk and has to abide by, you know, lots of restrictions set by the company, but they don't really like own a share in the company. They just own the particular store and, you know, don't have like the, the protections of an employee. The actual employees of the store tend to be extremely underpaid, overworked, and often like guest workers from other countries who do not enjoy the same rights and privileges as Japanese citizens. So these are, this is the dark underbelly of the kombini. Are these things that are like special to kombini versus other types of businesses? Not really for the most part, I don't think. Okay. But yes, it's not, it's not like some magic island that exists separate from global capitalism. Okay. Uh, However, we are going to continue looking for that island. Yes, that's right. And if we when, find that island, like, like that'll be our Animal Crossing island. That's right. Uh, if we find that island, we will let you know, okay. and we will make sure that it is well-stocked with onigiri. Yes, you can all join us there, and we can ruin it together. Ah, sounds like so much fun. I can't wait. Um, is there going to be a hatch there? Do we have to push a button or anything? You know there's or... going to be a hatch. It's going to be festooned with hatches. And also okay. nut hatches. <laughs> oh, I, that's great. I love nut hatches. Uh, they are not sus not, at all. N- not a sus form. <laughs> <laughs> this, our our oh, island right. is going to have all kinds of birds, borbs, sus, and otherwise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Matthew, uh, you know, do, have, do we have anything else to say about onigiri or islands or borbs? Um, I mean, definitely yes, but we can save it for for another time. I think, uh, you know, I think I think like people who who have like been to to a kombini like are are like you know basking in the in the nostalgia or. Or who live in Japan and uh, like are going to go get something after the episode and everyone else is ready for us to move on to segments. Yes. Molly, do we have any spilled mail? We do. And in fact, it's for me. Okay. Okay. So this is from listener Eliana. I recently listened to all of the holiday cookie episodes as inspiration for my own baking. And I have a question for Molly about the cookie tins she so carefully packs. I was wondering, do you have a collection that you get back from your recipients or do you buy new ones? If so, do you have a recommendation for where to get them cheaply? I I'm so glad you asked this question, listener Eliana. I'm sorry we're answering it in January, but uh, go ahead and make a note. I mean, probably January is the best time to to buy uh, holiday Gosh. tins at a at a reasonable I mean, price. That's, that's I don't know. That's true. That's true. Although they're pretty cheap anyway. Okay. Yeah. Tell us how this is done, because uh, I've been wondering this too. So I actually think that there are more places these days that are selling holiday tins than there were like ten years ago. Uh, I think it's easier to find them now. But my most reliable spots are, get ready, if you have a like craft store in your area, like a Joanne Fabrics is where I go. I'm in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Joanne Fabrics, usually starting, you know, when they start stocking the Christmas stuff in November or God, late October, you will see that they have a whole bunch of like really cute empty Christmas tins and the price is awesome. price is good. You might also try something like Michaels or Hobby Lobby. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Also, uh, we have a, a Washington based drugstore chain called Bartell Drugs. Of course. Bartell has a great selection of 
cookie tins. I'm always really pleased with Bartel. So I don't know about like CVS, Walgreens, whatever. You might try those, but I don't know. I feel like Bartel really specializes in like holiday stuff and does a really good job of it. And then the third idea I have for you is Target. Target definitely is stocking some cute, like well-designed, on-trend tins and uh <laughs> wait 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 what are this year's what are well, the tin trends for 2023 you know, i mean you can picture you can picture that like you know back when my mom used to first do this when i was a kid a lot of the like attractive tins had like norman rockwell kind of designs on them or like sort of like an old-fashioned kind of like a poinsettia kind of vibe. Sure. Whereas okay. now it's like muted colors and things like that. And, you know, it's more like, a... yeah. anyway. Now you, you don't ask your gift recipients to give the tins back do you, but I feel like I have you, given you You almost always back. give me the tins back. And uh, most people, if they do give me the tins back, which is maybe one or two families a year, uh, they usually have washed them. Oh, I thought you were going to say they usually put like like retaliatory That's cookies right. in them. <laughs> Little grenades. <laughs> and, and then I was going to feel bad for, for not retaliating No, with no, no. Anyway, in the past, also, Brandon, when we were married, used to have pretty good luck getting tins at Goodwill. And those were extra cheap. Sure, of course. But then you need to allot some time to wash them and allow them to dry thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really start with new tins every year, but they're pretty cheap, especially if you kind of just keep an eye out, like maybe even year round, maybe TJ Maxx. God, that would be a Christmas tin kind of place. Yes. To the max. So good luck. Thank you so much, Ellie. And uh, happy baking to you later this year. All right. Thanks. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly has an excellent newsletter. Molly, I always plug your newsletter. Why don't you plug your own oh, newsletter? Okay. So uh, my newsletter is almost a year old. Uh, I started in February of 2022. It's called I've Got a Feeling. It's on Substack. You can find it at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. I post usually every week. That's what I aim for. And I post essays about stuff I'm into uh, or like what's going on or like whatever I want to write about. And people tell me they enjoy it. So maybe you will, too. I think you will. And it's uh, it is a, a premium newsletter. So uh, if you want to get all of them, you uh, you pay and it's very well worth it. Oh, thank you, Matthew. So that's mollyweisenberg.substack.com. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dre from Steady Holiday again for being our guest. And we will uh, link to uh, her latest single and uh, and another album of hers in the show notes. Her new album, Newfound Oxygen, will be out in a couple of weeks, but uh, a couple of singles are out now and they are real good. So you can also chat with other Spilled Milk listeners at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. And until next time, thanks for listening to Spilled Milk. Maybe like if you're really nice, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come over and may go and again. Use your bathroom. We'll come Here we go. I'm Molly Weisenberg. (laughs) And I'm Matthew Amsterberg. (laughs) Then who who are you? I can't can't, like reach out over the internet and peel off your Scooby-Doo mask much as I would love to. Why is it that people always peel their masks off from underneath? Such a good question. To the top. like, well, I mean, I guess you, said, you can't you just pull it, it down, right? Because it like goes over your head. I think I, we've I'm, solved this mystery. Yeah, like like if you, I'm, I'm imagining like a Frankenstein Halloween like mm-hmm. latex mask. Yeah, you got it. You got to pull it up. Yeah.
Okay. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where Abby's going to kill us for this this opening. No. And uh, today we're, <laughs> oh, oh, and we're, uh, I'm clipping a little. Hang on. Okay. Should we start over? Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 